right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow, episode 14, season two. I have a very, very, very special guest in the building. Uh, the first time I've ever used three varies, so, you know, I really mean it. Very excited for this episode. <laughs> but I have Kevin O'Toole here with me. Thanks for having me, Flo. Excited to be here. And yes, thank you for coming on to the show. For anyone who doesn't know, Kevin just got drafted a few weeks ago to the MLS. And I remember I was like sitting. I, it was actually insane. I was sitting. I was trying to plan out the season. I was like writing down guest names. I go on Twitter or Instagram, whichever one I saw it on first. I'm like, no fucking way. Kevin just got drafted. <laughs> I just write your name down right there. I'm like, I need him on here. This is going to be a good episode. Uh, but yeah, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. The way that I start all these episodes is I ask the guests to introduce themselves, tell me what they do on campus, where they're from, and then just any other general intro that they would want the people to know. So if you could just start us off, please. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Kevin. Um, I'm a senior. Uh, I'm in the SPEA department. It's the classic Princeton intro. Got to throw the major in there. Yep. <laughs> um, I am was on the Princeton men's soccer team. Um, and yeah, as you said uh, a few weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago now, I guess, got drafted to uh, NYCFC, um, who just won the... MLS Cup last year, so also also casual. Just got drafted <laughs> to the current MLS champions. All very casual, and we I'm will get, to get a curse. <laughs> yeah, and we will get much more into that in a little bit. But For I sure. think I just want to start out with you being here, you being a Princeton student, um, taking it all the way back. First, actually, no, I'm going to start off by reading off some of your accolades because you, <laughs> we have to understand who is in the building with us. We have the two-time Ivy League Offensive Player of the Year, 2018 and 2021. Second team all region in 2019, three time first team all Ivy 2018, 2019, 2021, United States Coaches National Player of the Week from October 25th, 2021, and Top Jar Soccer.com National Player of the Week from October 25th, 2021. You're looking at <laughs> him blushing over here, as you should. So we have a, a stud in our presence. So, first question um, you come into Princeton. What did you, did you, the way that you've, your career has now played out, did you see it? taken off with that same sort of trajectory. What were your expectations when you came when you came into Princeton about what exactly your, your career would be like? Yeah, so I mean to be honest, I didn't expect it would be on this sort of trajectory. I definitely had some pro aspirations before coming to Princeton. Um, I played actually with, you know, NYCFC's rival New York Red Bulls um, in like my youth year sort of in the academy system. Um, and I, I played with their second division team on like an amateur contract, so to speak. Um, so that was a professional environment, so I had some exposure to it before coming to Princeton. Um, and so I knew that's something I wanted to do after college. I knew that I was going to pursue it in, in, in some capacity and just kind of give it a shot while I'm young. Um, so it was definitely in mind, but, you know, the way things kind of played out at Princeton, I wasn't really sure, um, you know, where where it would take me um, from a soccer perspective. But I think it was a great spot for me. I got to play it in um, an attacking role, which... I didn't really do too much in high school because at Red Bull I was actually a left back um, and I'm being played as a, as a right winger. Um, so, you know, it's fun being in the attack. I think Princeton gave me sort of free reign to, to do some things in the attack that I wasn't able to do in, in other environments. So um, all things considered, I think, it, yeah, it was it was a great spot. For Interesting. Me. So were you recruited to play left back and then the, someone just made the switch for you to be a striker? How did that transition happen? Yeah, so I, I was always a midfielder like in my youth years, but... When I made the switch to Red Bull, I was left-footed, and lefties are kind of hard to come by. Yeah. Um, and so whenever, you know, coaches' ears perk up when they hear they have a lefty because they just can play him at left-back, and yep. so that's, <laughs> that's kind of, I got funneled into that position for that reason. Um, 
But yeah, and then I, you know, the coaches here knew I had played midfield in the past and I started to play in the midfield a little bit um, towards the end of my academy days with Red Bulls. So I think they saw me a little bit as an attacking player, but maybe didn't expect uh, me to be playing, you know, like a goal scoring slash assisting role as, as maybe much as what happened. Gotcha. And I, I, I would just like to add real quick that I have also played soccer okay. in my youth years. <laughs> was also a left back growing up. Okay. I, honestly, I'm I don't sure that connection. L- low, low versatile. I played anywhere along the back. I just saw my coaches anywhere along the back put me and I'll do what, I, do what I need to do. Center back is my preferred position. Okay. Right back, I'm okay at. Left back, for some reason, I just like playing left back. So, you know, we, we have a little bit in common. Nice. Are, were you left-footed as well? No, not right at all. Right-footed. So you can right cut foot. it onto your, on your right foot exactly. from left back. Exactly. I like it. And okay. I, I will, like, I, I'm a very, very limited soccer player, so I barely even touch the ball with my <laughs> left foot. But I would, like, say, if you've ever watched, like, Antonio Valencia, played for Manchester United, man, never touched the ball with his left foot, made it all the way to Manchester United. So that is go. that was always my, my comment to coaches telling me that I needed to use my left foot. I was like, no, I don't really need to. Look at this professional player. But, <laughs> but I digress. So um, going back to your, your freshman season, and so the the first offensive player of the year, was that in your fr- freshman or sophomore season? That was sophomore season. Sophomore season. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so could you just explain even that jump from freshman to sophomore year and what exactly it was in your preparation and everything that made you take such a leap that made you, or took you to the point where you were the Ivy League Offensive Player of the Year? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, freshman year, I was sort of like getting my bearings, I think. It was, again, the first time I had sort of played in like an attacking role again. Um, so I was just sort of understanding that position and... Um, you know, how the Ivy League uh, style of play sort of works. It's a super physical league, and I came in a lot less in weight than I am now (laughs) and a lot less strong, so that was definitely, like, one of the bigger adjustments freshman year. And I think once I got past that year, I sort of had, you know, 17 games of confidence behind me that, like, you know, I could put together a better season um, in in the sophomore, uh, sophomore campaign, so... I actually came in injured into my sophomore year. I missed the first four games of the season. Which missed are, the first four games and still won the <laughs> offensive player of the year. What's it, it, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <There. good>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I missed those first four games. It was you know a little bit of a knee injury, and it was just about kind of like building up strength and then just getting ready for the Ivy League games, which are always so important. Um, you know. Yeah, the out of conference games certainly do matter in terms of seeding if you if you make it to the tournament. But like odds are, like there's only going to be one bid um, to the NCAA tournament from Ivy League teams, and so you have to get that through the the conference play. Um, so my goal at that point was just getting to getting to Dartmouth healthy, um, and that's sort of like when I had my best games in Ivy League play. I was just sort of like getting back from injury in the first few conference games I played, and then Dartmouth came and I felt ready to go. Um, and I think I actually like accumulated like all my stats that year in the Ivy League games. Wow. So I think that's probably the reason why you know I, I was given Ivy League Player of the Year. I think they look more towards the conference games than like the you know the out of conference games in, in deciding who gets that. So a little bit fortunate in that sense that they all came in the Ivy League games, but it it also helped in that um, we made it to the tournament that year as well. Gotcha. And then even just just keeping it going, just working our way through your college years. So we'll honestly just fast forward to. COVID, the one thing that yeah. disrupted every single one of our lives, disrupted a lot of athlete lives. Um, you were initially in the class of 2023, and then, or no, 2021, yeah, I went the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Initially in the class of 2021, when it came down to making that decision for you about whether or not to take your gap year, what would you say was the biggest factor in making your decision, and why did you ultimately decide that you wanted to take the gap year? Yeah, so I actually left the decision to literally the very last day I could decide. Um, I was super conflicted. I was thinking about actually... 
um, I guess like foregoing the athletic season and just, you know, finishing um, my, my career uh, online at Princeton. Um, and you know, the last day, like I felt like I would have some regrets if I gave up the opportunity to play another year, um, for Princeton, especially because like just the connection with like the student body and playing for your school is something that, you know, you only, you get a finite time doing. Um, so I, I, I probably would have felt pretty upset had I, had I passed on that opportunity. And also I just like, wasn't really sure what the professional prospects would be like after my junior year. It wasn't my strongest year. Um, and I wasn't sure there, you know, there, it wasn't around like a draft time. It was in the summer when I was making the decision. Um, my junior year wasn't the strongest, so I wasn't sure what, you know, MLS prospects would look like. Um, and so, you know, for those reasons combined, I think I just wanted to give it another shot um, at Princeton. So I took the gap year, called my coach on the last day um, before the deadline, maybe like a couple hours before. Um, and, and he was super excited. I was excited for the opportunity. Um and yeah, that's that's sort of how it came about. Gotcha. And before we get to the extremely successful senior campaign that you just had, what exactly were you doing uh, with the gap year? Yeah. So in the fall, um, about eight to ten teammates and myself, uh, we decided to live in California for the fall semester. Um, and so we did like a big cross country road trip, um, starting in New Jersey and ending in Mission Viejo, California. Well, how long did that take? Um, it was like in eight day trip. We kind of, we could have done it faster, but we did some like sightseeing along the way, did some national parks, which was the, the big craze of COVID obviously. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just like a great traveling experience. Um, great bonding with my teammates, which I think like laid a really solid foundation for, um, this past year, uh, winning the league again. It was just, you know, living with friends and teammates just like creates a, a connection that you don't really get on campus because you, you might have your practices together, but you don't like actually spend the quality time off the field that yeah. maybe is required to put together like a, a strong team on the field. So I think that was great. Um, and it also allowed me to do some things that, you know, like a typical athlete doesn't necessarily do. I think like, you know, in terms of my identity, like it's very intertwined with soccer and um, being able to do something outside of that sphere a little bit um, was definitely very healthy uh, mentally and just like finding other things that I'm interested in um, outside uh, athletics. So, um, yeah, it was a great year. That was the fall. We were in California. Um, and then in the spring, I was living off campus in Princeton with a similar group um, of guys as teammates again. Um, we were living like just down the road, like eight minutes from here. Um, and yeah, it was just nice to be close to campus and, and be involved in some of the some of the activities going on around here yeah and honestly you you bring up a few points that i think a lot of us could relate to from that last fall especially so what i did was and i don't okay now uh, first i i lived and lived in the area in princeton in the fall but i was in an apartment i luckily had a lot of my close friends back and we were mm -hmm. all in apartments around each other and we were able to do things that if school had been normal the whole time we would not necessarily have gone to do like because we were all making all our meals and all had kitchens, we would have like dinners together, yep. just more wholesome stuff that I don't think we would have ever had the opportunity to do. Sure. And so I think that in that period of time, we were all able to sort of change our, our college experiences and adapt it to the situation that we were living in. So it's great that it, like kind of like you just said, you were able to travel across cross country, which in a regular four year period, you probably would have never gotten the opportunity to do, especially during the school year. So yeah, as much again, they, I, one big thing about COVID for me especially has been like 
adapting your mindset and making the most out of every situation. And I do think that a lot of us were able to do that. And I don't want to say that I regret coming back to campus, but some of the things that my other friends did, or but yeah, some of the things that my other friends did were they went to San Diego, they were in Atlanta, they just went to other okay. cool locations to do school from, which again, not something that we would ever usually have the opportunity to do. And in that period of time, they're like, okay, this is the shitty hand that we've been dealt, but let's let's make memories out of it. And it's yeah. great to hear that you were able to do that with your road trip and with your teammates. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, when I reflect on, like, I guess the five years that I've had here now, like, some of my fondest experiences come from that gap year. And, like, you know, 20 years down the road, like, I won't think of it as my gap year and, like, a break from Princeton. It was more of just, like, more college time that I got to spend with, you know, my college friends um, and, and making, you know, great memories along the way within like outside of the Princeton campus and community obviously yeah. but like still with the same people that yeah make it, make exactly it special. exactly and honestly a, a cross-country road trip has been on my bucket list for the uh, longest I time <laughs> I need I need to do it I might have to do it before I start work on July 28th but I I've wanted to do it for so long and I ha- honestly have no excuse for not doing it and it's the type of thing where when I start work full-time I'm not gonna have two weeks to just take off exactly. to drive across the country but where was your favorite state or stop along that road trip so on the way out, we stopped a couple of days in Colorado and actually did my first like overnight camp, which I had never done before. We so camped. you didn't do OA then, I'm guessing? <laughs> I did not. I did not. I did, not. I did the, uh, the athlete orientation, okay. which, was, uh, which was the third option. <laughs> so I was about to hide here, yeah. that was one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we camped in Maroon Bells, which is like the greater Aspen region. I think it, it it's uh, where it's located. Mm-hmm. Um and we just kind of like posted up by like a little creek that was running through a valley and with two tents and camped out, no service, nothing like that. And it was like my first sort of overnight outdoor experience, which was a, which was a lot of fun. Like yeah. I, like growing up, like my family was never super into like outdoorsy trips. Um, we've, we've kind of turned a corner after like the, the whole COVID experience. Um, we, we do like a lot more of that now, but um, with soccer and school and all this stuff, like we never really had the time um to, to do something like that. And so it was like a really cool experience that, um, I think kind of like, I, I found a new interest, um, in something that I can do going forward in during my soccer career, post soccer career. That's again, another great thing to hear. That's about like <laughs> adapting to the times. Yeah. Who would have thought that you'd find that passion, have that opportunity exactly. to do that. As for myself, I did OA. Don't, it's cool to say I did it. I never need to sleep outside again. Fair enough, fair <laughs> one time, one time was enough. I'm glad I have the story. It's like, like I didn't shower for a week. <laughs> I made all my meals. I was sleeping outdoors. But as far as doing it again, no need. Yeah, I mean, a week is kind of next level. I did it for one night, so maybe okay. I haven't had the full experience yeah. of like what camping for a week feels like. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't be as <laughs> hyped about it otherwise. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it for for the time that I yeah. did. <laughs> and so now, fast forward into this most recent season that you just had, you're senior season i obviously i know the answer to this question but how do you feel about that decision to take a gap year <laughs> <laughs> i feel pretty good about it yeah. i feel pretty good about it yeah i mean it, it was a blast playing the season and you know i don't i don't think i would have had this this post-collegiate opportunity had it had it not been for the season yeah exactly and you guys were able to go undefeated in ivy league yeah. play um, you lost to St. John's in the St. John's St. John's yeah, in the first round, which fight my boy. Shout out Luke Hansen, my best friend from high school. He plays center back at oh, St. Yeah? John's. So that was such a conflict of interest. It was mm, like I'm high sure. school friend versus my my boys from college. Who do I want to see go forward? <laughs> but just now looking back on the whole season, what would you how would you rate the, the season between the the successes that you had, maybe not going as far as you wanted to in, in the NCAAs, but how would you just rate the season overall? 
I mean, it was it was an amazing season. It was definitely my favorite season um, at Princeton. I, I think going seven and zero in the Ivy League is especially um, you know special. Like I think we were the first team to do it in the Ivy League since twenty ten, and it was also a Princeton team that did it. Um, so seven and zero seasons are few and far between, and and doing it with um, a, as a senior and a captain, I think makes it a little bit extra special. Um, so that was exciting. We also got on our seventh win, we got Coach Barlow his two hundredth win as a coach for Princeton, which was also pretty cool. So the seven and zero season plus his two hundredth win, um, that was a pretty special night. And then obviously it was disappointing making it to the to the tournament and losing in the first round. We um, my sophomore we played Michigan in the first round of the NCAA tournament and we lost in fourteen rounds of penalties. Fourteen rounds of wow. Fourteen. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, we had, we had a few guys take multiple penalties and it was it was. It was a game I'll never forget. It was in the snow at Michigan, tons wow. of fans. So it was like definitely, definitely a cool game experience. But we definitely wanted redemption from it uh, this past year, which we didn't get unfortunately. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll look back fondly on the season for sure. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, a, a lot of great things to take away. Like you said, two hundredth win for your coach, seven and zero in the Ivy League play. Again, yeah, nothing to nothing to hang your heads <laughs> over. I would say about the season. Yeah. Um, and so now transitioning into into um the last few the last month for you which is has been huge um take me to draft night especially and what were your thoughts going into the night did you know going in that you would have a realistic shot of being drafted just take me through your through to the night through the night not getting your name called because i specifically want to ask about that but just like your your mindset going into the night yeah so i knew that there were a few teams that were interested just from having conversations with my coaches and also like did a couple of of calls with these teams specifically so i knew there was some interest out there i didn't know um how deep the interest was because like the teams don't really want to show their cards to Mm -hmm. to the players because they want to like maintain a little bit of leverage and they don't want you to think that you know like you're their top guy um, so you can leverage that and go to another team and be like, hey, this team's super interested in me. Like, you might want to take me earlier. It's all, it's all mind games. It's all, it's, all, it's all mind games at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, I, I knew there was some interest, but I didn't really know how, how real that was um, until, until the actual day. But, um, you know, I, I had a suspicion that, like, maybe I'd go second round. Um, just, you know, I think, like, the profile of the Ivy League is a little bit lower than some of the, you know, ACC, Pac-12 schools. So... I knew those guys were sort of like the first would be the first guys to go just based on like the visibility that those leagues get um, among uh, the MLS. Um, so I thought that second round was was definitely achievable. But um, I think to go and I did, I was a little bit surprised, but super excited. Gotcha. OK. And so now for that moment specifically, yeah. what are the emotions that are going through your mind when you hear your name called in the MLS draft? Keep in mind, this is a dream of millions of kids to yeah. go pro, have their name called in whatever draft it might be. So what were those feelings like? What were those emotions like? Do you have, does it flash into your mind the first time you ever kicked a soccer ball? Just what, what, <laughs> what is that specific moment like for you? Yeah, so honestly, it, it might not be the answer you're expecting, but like as soon as my name got called, I kind of just started laughing. Um, <laughs> that is most definitely not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> just because I, I, th- I thought the situation was so funny just because like NYCFC is a huge rival of Red Bull and I'd been with Red Bull for about like eight years before that. Yeah. Um, and so f- for Red Bull to kind of pass on me and then, you know, their rival club to take me, I just thought was kind of like a hilarious irony. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like when my name was called, I just started laughing, um, which was kind of funny. And then like, maybe it sank in a little bit later that like, this was a dream realized, um, just to, you know, uh, I'm actually still in the process of kind of trying out for the team because 
the draft sort of entitles you to a tryout mm-hmm. with the team, but it doesn't secure you a spot on the roster okay. indefinitely. So um, I'm in that process. So like, it's still, it's, it's like, I'm excited. I'm part of the way there, but I'm not all the way there yet. Yeah. Um, and so I'm working towards that right now. But either way, it was it was definitely a really special moment. I think there's something unique about the draft and hearing your name called that, um, that yeah, I'll always remember. Um, and yeah, like you said, like people dream about that. And that's something I've dreamt about as well. So that was really special. I had family and some friends there. Um, and yeah, just to have their support right on the spot was really cool. Yeah, for sure. And again, like you just, and I don't even think, actually, no, I think that probably is how it is for most sports. That yeah. You, when you get drafted, it's not like you sign the contract the next day unless you're like, what's Joe Burrow, who's, right. shout out Joe Burrow, <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals, insa- insanity. <laughs> so yeah, okay, that actually does make a lot of sense. And obviously you're aware, like, for every single one of us, the hard work is always still going on. You always still have to grind and maintain your spot and all that Definitely. good stuff. But just forget in reality for a little bit. And again, go back <laughs> to the fact that you just got drafted. What are what? So that happens. Your name gets called. What are those next twenty four hours like? Does the team like reach out to you saying like, "Get your butt here tomorrow so you can start playing"? Like, what? Do you, pretty what, much. Oh, pretty I, much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, I think my coach at Princeton, Coach Barlow, called me first, and he was like. And, you know, super excited for me. It was like, you know, the, I think one of the assistant coaches is going to reach out probably tonight um, and he'll sort of give you some more details. Um, and I got a call from um, one, of the, one of the guys in like upper management at the club and said that, um, you know, there was going to be a preseason training camp in Orlando, a preseason training camp in Mexico, um, and that you should be coming to the facility for like lifting before that. Um, and he was like, you know, you should be ready to go as early as, you know, 48 hours from now. And I was like, wow. All right. So <laughs> quick turnaround. That's a wow. quick turnaround. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I did expect that because I know the season is kind of just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also like accelerating the season a little bit because the World Cup's going to be held in the winter. Yeah. So yeah, they're yeah. trying to end it by like October, which is like a timetable that's like cut the season short by like two months. So oh, okay. preseason's coming in earlier this year. Um, so I knew it was going to be a quick turnaround, but. You know, 48 hours was definitely <laughs> definitely a little hasty. Um, but, you know, fortunate in that the facility is like 35 minutes from my house um, in Montclair, New Jersey. I, I just drive to Orangeburg, New York is where the facility is. So um, it made the first few days of commuting pretty, pretty doable. And then four days later, I was uh, on a plane to Orlando for the first camp. Gosh, and that's honestly kind of insane that the facility is as close as 30 minutes from your yeah. house. So, so was lucky. it were you, what was the feeling of being drafted so close to home? Was it? like relieved where you're like, Oh, I want to go to LA. Like, what, what was that feeling? Like? Yeah. I mean, you know, part of me wanted a, a little bit of a new experience. I'm from New Jersey. Um, I actually did, um, spend two years of my life in Poland. My dad had a job over there and the whole family relocated for a couple of years. Um, but outside of that, you know, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school in New Jersey, college in New Jersey. Um, and so part of me wanted a bit of a new experience, um, in a different city. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, being in New York kind of, is the ideal situation right now because it allows me to spend some time here as well while I'm finishing uh, my last semester. And record on Go With The Flow. Record on Go With The Flow, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be here otherwise, so worked out for the best. Thank you, NYCFC. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And yeah, my my family's close by too, so they can be, you know, a touch point all the time, so. Yeah, I think it's at the end of the day, all things considered, it's a it's a really great spot. And I don't think had it happened, I would have really appreciated um, how great of a spot New York City could have been for like all these reasons. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. yeah. And so how and this is honestly my first thought. And even when you walked in here, I mentioned it a little bit. How have you been able to balance 
being a Princeton student, which is no joke for anybody with being a professional athlete because before this, you were a student athlete and everyone, like there's a bunch of student athletes, they make it work. Not easy at all, as I've said many times on this podcast. But now this is a different type of beast. You're a professional. There are certain expectations out of you. Um, you are not on your campus anymore. So how exactly are you being able, have you been able to balance in this last week being uh, a professional athlete and doing all the training and everything that's required with all the classes that you still have to take at Princeton, which I hope aren't too many. <laughs> not too many, which, yeah. is, which is kind of a saving grace. And like, honestly, so far, the balance has definitely been skewed towards soccer. Like last week was the first week of class, obviously. I'm enrolled in two classes right okay, now, nice, nice, which nice. definitely lightens the load. Um, but it is still a tricky balance of like how many classes will my professors really allow me to do over Zoom. Versus which should be all of them. If you're one of his professors listening, it should be all his classes. The man <laughs> just got drafted. He doesn't care about your class. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. But sorry. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> but yeah, so like, I've, I've been pretty fortunate that I've had like pretty accommodating professors. Um, so I was able to do, I have like a seminar class that meets once per week. I did that last week while I was in Orlando. And then I have another professor who's... Um, who's offered to sort of like do the lectures with me um, outside of class time. Oh, what's which uh, is shout sweet. out to these professors. Yeah, I didn't mean right? to come off aggressive. It sounds like you have <laughs> been very accommodating and he appreciate, I appreciate that too. <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate it. No, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of like a whole process of emailing professors beforehand. Like I kind of had to like anticipate this a little bit and prepare for this scenario. So like two months prior like I was emailing professors being like if you know if this scenario happens like will you be able to like can I still take your class um subject line might get drafted yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much pretty much um so yeah that it's it's worked out pretty well so far I haven't haven't had too much work in the first week or two but um I'm sort of getting the thesis fears now that like you know I've got a goose egg in in, in page numbers <laughs> written so I need to start cranking on that otherwise I'm going to be in trouble but which is another thing that I'm very glad that you mentioned a thesis which <clears throat> I like to think a thesis should be optional I don't see a reason it should be required as a senior who is fortunate enough to have my job for next year, I don't really care about my thesis. I just want to get my degree and move on with my life. I enjoy tend to my agree. F- enjoy my <laughs> friends for a little bit. So, do you think that there should be some sort of stipulation where in the in the event that you get drafted while you're still a Princeton student, you should be exempt from a thesis? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I would be in favor of such a stipulation. <laughs> I definitely would be. It would it would make my life a lot easier for sure. Um, but honestly, like right now, it's just like the stress of starting it is just like, it's just a little bit daunting that like, I have to start this while I'm also like trying to make a team. It's just like a lot of different stressors. Um, but I think, you know what, I think once I put pen to paper, I can try to start rolling on it, but I'm, I'm definitely not looking forward to it. Yeah. And (laughs) I don't think any, uh, I don't want to say any, and uh, okay, no, this is why I think it should be optional because I think there are some students who are genuinely like oh my goodness, a thesis, I can't wait to write this, I can't wait to publish it, and God bless them, they should be able to go ahead and write as many theses as they want, but as for the rest of us, don't force us to do this, do you know how much more enjoyable my senior year would be if I hadn't, if I didn't have the thesis hanging over me all year, and even me, like, I've made a little bit of progress, but Mm -hmm. all first semester when I wasn't doing as much of it as I should be, it was just always hanging over my head, oh yeah, literally, it's a cloud, it's a cloud, I was when I was on one of my trips this break. I there's no reason I should be in Dubai thinking about my senior thesis. Right. Zero reason. But for whatever reason, it popped in my head. I was like, oh, I should have done more with that. And I was like, this is just unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. I shouldn't be on vacation thinking about my senior thesis. So, moral of the story is 
senior thesis should be optional for especially drafted athletes, <laughs> but I think for all seniors. I agree. Yeah, it's it just follows you everywhere. It followed you to Dubai. It followed you to Mexico. Follow me to, I, I, honestly, <laughs> that trip, it didn't quite crash, thankfully. Okay, but good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and so... Um, is okay. I actually just asked ask you about this. Um, never mind. I asked you answered this because you're good. You're good at this, so you don't. You you kind of already saw the questions. You already answered the ones that I was going to ask. <laughs> so not going to get into that. Uh, so the next question: the preseason training. How how has that been? How would you describe the intensity? The difference between the uh, college versus the professional level? Just what what has that uh, transition been like? Yeah, sure. So um, it's definitely been a step up in terms of like speed of play. I think that's like. One of the things that um, I think probably is hits first for like a lot of college players going going to the next level is just that, like the speed of play is that much quicker. Um, you're playing with like a lot of guys who didn't play in college. Like most of these guys, like most of my teammates are international, like from Argentina, Brazil. Um, so these guys have like dedicated their lives to professional soccer careers. They haven't had like any sort of like co- a thesis, co- <laughs> a, a thesis exactly. Um, so like they're accustomed to the speed of play and like the college game is definitely a bit slower. Um, so, you know, the first couple of days it was just about like getting my footing and like adjusting to that speed. Um, you get punished for like taking bad touches way more than you, than you would in, in the college game. Um, but, you know, I think I, I feel like I've adapted pretty well, like over my career to like upticks in speed of play. So I think like this is just sort of the next stepping stone. And once I, once I get used to it, I think, I think I'll be all right. But yeah, preseasons. Uh, the first camp went pretty well. Um, struggled a bit the first few practices, but sort of got my feet under me. Um, did well. <laughs> Funny irony was that we were supposed to play Orlando City in our first scrimmage down in um, down in Florida, and we ended up playing Red Bull. Nice. Very first game. So I knew I knew like half the players, a lot of the staff, which was which was kind of funny. Um, I assisted in the game, which was kind of cool. Nice. Um, f- felt good to do that, but. Yeah, so and then and then second week was was much better. I, I sort of acclimated a bit um, to the pace, and yeah, it, it was pretty good. And would you say that the the pace and the strength has been the biggest of the adjustments? Yeah, I would. I think just yeah, getting punished for bad habits. Um, just like you know, I, I feel like in the past, like you kind of this is maybe like a little bit nitty gritty, like soccer terminology, but like you can sort of like pick the ball up on either foot and like turn and face a defender and like sort of try like I could try to find my way out of it. Whereas now, if I take a touch on my back foot if I take take a touch with my back facing a defender like I'll just get absolutely crushed yeah. and that's like <laughs> something I wasn't I mean I should have been prepared for but wasn't really used to so it took a couple of days to get that um that part down of it and just sort of like make micro adjustments yeah and how many other how many other people did the did NYFC draft so there's three of us total okay yeah and how has been that bond with the with the other with the other two it's been great um you know it's definitely because it's a trout environment it's like you would think it'd be a bit more cutthroat, at least among the draft players. But I actually haven't really experienced that. Like the two guys are like genuinely great guys. And, you know, I spend most of my time with them um, over the first trip. And like we all want each other to do well, um, which I think makes like those relationships special because like I'm not sure that's the case for most other environments. Like especially, I mean, I can imagine that like in, on some teams there are draft picks that like don't maybe get along because yeah. they play similar positions and like they're fight, competing for a spot, which is very natural. But um yeah it's it's been great hanging out with them and like i've gotten pretty close with them over the past couple weeks and this is another thing that i always wonder about um what was it like meeting the team for the first time 
because in my mind, I have like the only soccer TV show that now exists is Ted Lasso, and I just started watching Great that. Show. Great show. Yeah. So in my mind, it's like you walking in, and there's like a mean Roy Kent type person <laughs> who's just like staring you down, just like growl at you. There's a I'm fr- Jamie Tart. There's like that type of personality. Yeah. What is it like, just like walking in the locker room for the first time and just interacting with everyone? Yeah. So the first day I went to their training facility, I think I was like one of the first to arrive. I had to get there early to test, um, and then I went into the gym. Um, to to do like a lift with the strength trainer, and there was only one guy in there at the time. Um, and he's probably the nicest guy on the team. So I had like a very welcome introduction to the team, um, which was great. And it was like kind of a s- slow progression because like I was required to come in a few days before the rest of the team. So there were like optional lifts and practices like in those first few days. So I was like slowly introduced to like two guys the first day, five guys the next day, ten guys the next day. So. Um, it's kind of like at my own pace and it was like a good, like assimilation into the, into the team. Um, yeah, which honestly, I'm, I'm guessing you would like a lot better than walking into a locker room full of grown men. Like hundred percent. hundred percent. Hey guys, I'm the rookie. <laughs> yeah, just got drafted. Hey. <laughs> I had homework last week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How you doing? You want to know what my thesis is about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just, there's this really funny, um, meme I have in my head. Do you know who Martin Odegaard is? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and so, so back in the day when he was like supposed to be the next prodigy, everyone was like, oh my God, he's the next Ronaldo when Real Madrid signed him. Yeah. He like subbed him for Ronaldo one time. They thought it would be like an iconic picture. Right, but right. He's kind of just like been an okay player. But there's this picture of him on the bench next to, I think it was Gareth Bale. And Bill's just like looking really seriously ahead, and Odegaard really looks like really into the conversation. And the comment is like, "So on Fortnite last night, <laughs> it's like, so how do you even relate yeah. with someone who's that much older than you?" Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely an age range. Um, there's guys who are younger than me. Like for this preseason camp, a lot like what a lot of MLS teams do is they'll bring some of their academy players, um, just to give them you know an experience with the first team and also. Um, to you know, fill, fill some numbers for the preseason camp. So we had like a couple of 14, 15 year olds at camp with wow. us, which is crazy. That is insane. Which is like, these guys are seven years younger than me and I'm playing with guys seven years older than me. So it's just like a very big range um, in age. And, and yeah, so uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, like it's weird not being the youngest guy on the team after just getting drafted. You yeah, know? yeah. It's like there expect. are guys seven years younger than me who are doing this now too. It's which just, I'm... Do, they, they don't have school? I'm mad confused. How does, oh, that, they, how does that even work? They definitely work? have school. They just don't go. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Wait, so oh, so you, so you played in the Red Bulls Academy. Was were you, How did that work? Did, so, were there kids who were also training up like that? Or? Yeah, so I, I did it a little bit in high school, not that young. I was, like six, I was like 16, 17 when I did. I went to a preseason camp with Red Bulls once. But, I mean, from my understanding the U.S. game is trying to adapt to the European game. Where and they like, start playing so early. Exactly. They yeah. start playing so early. They're not going to, they're not going to, I mean, high school, maybe they're getting like an education through the club mm-hmm. for high school, but they're not doing like any post high school education. Um, so the clubs are just trying to like snatch up these players super early when they're 14, 15, if they identify talent um, and, you know, try to sell them at, you know, 18, 19 for quadruple the amount that they had to yeah. pay for like so all the it's, European it's, teams do yeah exactly it's just like an investment opportunity for these clubs for better or for worse yeah, like, man. probably for worse for the kids yeah. because yeah. they don't get like an actual like youth experience like in school and, and soccer but yeah that's sort of how how the game is adapting here and what are your thoughts on that just more general because I the I didn't so I was born in Nigeria and I didn't yeah. move to America until I was nine so didn't even know what the MLS was for the longest time 
only grew up watching like the EPL, all these mm-hmm. other leagues, and discovered what the MLS was. Saw there when like the David Beckham's came over and started yeah. to really grow, grow the game over here. So, what are your thoughts on how far the MLS has been able to come in comparison to these other leagues in the last ten years? Because I would, I think it's come a long way. Because back in the day, I don't think it was watchable at all. But now it's like the quality is very, very high. And it's actually fun to watch. So just what are your thoughts on how much the game has grown here in America? Yeah, it definitely has. I think a lot of that is an, an emphasis on getting younger international players. Um, so like obviously, I'm a beneficiary of the draft model. But like I think the MLS is definitely trying to phase that out. Because college isn't the greatest pipeline for, for, um, for the league if they want to be competing with some of these European clubs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're trying to, I mean, the league's trying to get younger and younger and more international. Um, you know, they're trying to pick off some of the best players like Toronto just signed, um, Lorenzo Insigne, who's an international, uh, Italian international. Um, so he'll, he'll, he's like a relatively young guy and he'll like probably be the face of the league next year. Um, so that's, they're trying to get guys like that into the league and they're trying to make the youth academies, um, for these clubs reflect some of the European teams as well, where like, that's the pipeline. It's from the youth academies into the first teams rather than from college into the into the first teams. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, the <clears throat> the only... Oh, I'm forgetting his name now. Do you know the name of the guy who... He plays for Leeds United. He went to Wake Forest. Got, Jack Harrison. Jack Harrison. Yes. Yes, yes. And I think he's been like the stellar example of like... 100%. Oh, you get... Like you go play in college and then you leave and then you go abroad. Yeah. But I don't think there's been as much of that as maybe like the American higher-ups in soccer would have wanted, and so now they're starting to shift over to this different model. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's definitely, like, yeah, the examples are few and far between. Like, Jack Harrison is one. Even he, he was at Manchester United in, in their academy system when he was younger, and I'm not sure the reasons why he came to Wake Forest, but um, he was there for one year and then ended up going back to Europe. Dominated, yeah. Dominated, <laughs> Looked yeah. at his stats, dominated. Yeah. <laughs> he did, he did. I think he won the Matt Kerman, which is like the Heisman, essentially, okay. of soccer when he was a freshman, which yeah. is super impressive. But yeah. yeah, I think another one's Tejon Buchanan. We actually played against him at Syracuse my freshman year. He um, he was on New England Revolution. He made the MLS Best 11 team this past year. Wow. Um, and he's playing for the Canadian national team. Um, they just beat the U.S. I was about to say, speaking of which, they just yeah, did. That, did. That was a sh- honestly not even shocking. Canada's actually been playing yeah, they've really been well lately. For sure. um, but even just on this topic still, the, even the, the, the strides that the U.S. national team has taken in the last, like, four to six years, because there was a time when all the players, it seemed like they had been there for, like, ages i'm not gonna name any names i don't know why i'm not naming names like they're ever gonna listen to the podcast but it was just a bunch of old men who was like at a certain point you got to phase people out but now there's household names in the team like Sergio does christian pulisic so they're starting to to bear to what's the word what's the saying bear the fruits of the labor yeah something along those lines yeah and can get those results which i think is kind of cool yeah and i'm rooting for them i will always root for nigeria, nigeria first we just crashed out of the afcon <laughs> one oh, of the most disappointing losses we lost to egypt or we beat egypt in the very first round dominated them thoroughly we're the only team to win all three games in the group stage and then lose to tunisia in the oh, in the round of 16 and now egypt during the semifinals that's i'm like right. we should be there so sort of subject i'm sorry yeah I'm sorry for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it, I'm so, i hope the usa makes the world cup we'll oh see. my god we'll see we'll see yeah <laughs> it'd be a tragedy if not two now, years it, or two world two cups world running yeah, yeah. yeah um but you just mentioned a guy that you played against uh, at syracuse and i actually have this question right mm-hmm. now who would you say is either like the best player you've ever played against or the the hardest player you've ever played against 
That's a good question. I've played with, so I guess I'll start with played with because I oh, played with played, a couple oh, yes, of really. Yes, yes. Played I played with, with some first. really good players. I played with Tyler Adams, who's on the national team yep, now, another one, um, yep. and he plays at Red Bull Leipzig. So I was with him when I played for Red Bull Two, the second division team. Um, he was also re- really young. He was like sixteen or seventeen. I was around the same age. Um, so he's like you know a friend and incredible player who I played with. Um, Aaron Long is another guy who's been, he's a center back. He's been with the national team too. He's been captain of the team. Um, and he now plays for the Red Bull first team. Um, those are two guys who like, yeah, when I get asked this question, I'm like two guys I go to cause they're, they're relatively well known. Um, I mean also now like just being with New York city, um, Tati Castellanos is a guy. He just won the golden boot last year in the MLS. Um, he's, he's 23 and I think he'll have, he'll have some prospects now in Europe. Um, and Maxi Morales is another, he's an attacking midfielder for the team. He's like 34 now. So a little bit older, um, but, but yeah, still, still balling. So yeah. yeah, I think those guys would probably be my answers to that. Yeah. Gotcha. Nice. And then the next question in your humble opinion, who is the greatest soccer player ever? Out of curiosity. Uh, Messi, for sure. I'm a oh, Messi guy. Are you an older guy? I let a Messi guy on the podcast? <laughs> Cut it. We're done. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. No. <laughs> I am. I am. I am a Ronaldo You're guy. You're an older guy. Because I'm, I grew up a Man U fan. He was my guy. Okay, yeah. Him coming back I'm to the team made my, made my year. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. So, honestly, I'm not mad at your opinion. I've <laughs> argued this with so many friends. Oh, yeah. For the longest time, I will never budge in saying that Ronaldo is the greatest. Whatever, I don't care how many fucking Ballon doors Messi has. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. I don't care. He shouldn't have won it this year. Lewandowski should have won it. Yes, I I, de- I tend to agree with that. Okay, yeah, yeah. so that's fair. Okay. And in your experience, how many Messi to Ronaldo? Like, what what's the tally amongst your friends and like people you've talked to? Like Messi who, to Ronaldo. Like who? Like have you found t- that it's more Messi? Or they more tend right? to skew more Messi, which yeah. makes for more arguments and okay. more uh, losing a lot of friendships. But <laughs> <laughs> you're always on the defense. Then, always, huh? always on the defense. Yeah. Always on the defense. Uh, on the same same vein, uh, MJ versus LeBron. Who's your Who's your basketball goat? <sighs> this one's tough. I've argued this so many times with my teammates as well. I I think. Definitely skewed towards MJ after wa- after watching the last dance, especially. I agree. Um. So yeah, I, I'm gonna stick by MJ. Um. I, I also just like like the way he conducts himself better than LeBron. I like LeBron has every right to be arrogant. I just think it's over the top sometimes. <laughs> um. And I don't take to it as as well. Um. So maybe part of it's just like the off the court stuff that I gravitate more towards MJ. But I mean, like watching the last dance, like MJ was a baller. So you can't you can't really go wrong with that. Agreed. Pick. And I I remember tweeting right before the first episode of the last dance. I was like, right now I'm in the court that LeBron is better than MJ, but I'm fully ready to be swayed. And boy was and I you were swayed. swayed. Wow. Boy was I swayed. That was one of again because we weren't alive to watch MJ, yeah. and so we don't get to we never got to witness firsthand the greatness that had been taught that we hear so many people talk about right but it was just a certain level of dominance that i don't think we've seen since i think right. kobe is way more similar to mj than lebron is and for me is it it's a mentality thing i'm not even mad yeah. at someone because he was a dickhead most people hated him but i'm not <laughs> mad at him being like that on the court if you back it up with your play 100% and he did all the time 100% record in the finals all these great stuff so yeah mj for me he's he's that dude yeah. and i am someone who 
which is, again, the league isn't as physical as it used to be, but that's obviously to protect their multi-million dollar stars and all that fun stuff. The mm-hmm. players are all buddy-buddy now. But even just watching how the league was back in the day, still physical, all the players hated each other, real beef, and MJ yeah. still just dominating everyone. I'm like, this, he's that dude. Yeah, it's true, it's true. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's a huge part of it. Like, the league was so physical back then, yeah. and, he, and he still persevered and got all those the, all those rings. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel about, like, the generational aspect of it. Like, do you think there's a valid argument to be made that like, you know, LeBron is better just because like athletes have progressed over the last 20 years. And so that makes LeBron automatically better than MJ. Or do you think like we have to contextualize them within like the era they played? I think a little bit of both. I think you definitely have to contextualize them, but I also think that MJ would dominate this generation. Yeah. And I'd like with, without a shadow of a doubt, like I said, I think Kobe is the most similar to who he was yeah. and Kobe just dominated at Fair. just like MJ did. So yeah, and P- and I again, what it was around when the last dance came out, and that because that was early COVID, that we were all at home. I remember after every single episode, what, especially this one group chat I had with my friends, when they were like, "Oh, MJ didn't play against anyone," and then I went and made a top five list at every position uh-huh. in the league that time, and it's some of the best names, all Hall of Famers. Yeah. So I don't think there's that sound of an argument that he his competition wasn't that great mm-hmm. playing against Charles Barkley in the finals guarded by Gary Payne all these all right, these names right. all these legends so yes MJ 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 and his sneakers are just MJ game best sneakers the best game. best sneakers best ever game, best yeah. sneakers ever um <laughs> but with that I think we can we've done 45 minutes look how fast that goes. Wow, it does not feel fast. like it but <laughs> we can um get to the music section sure so could you pull out the the songs that I asked you to, to prepare I can yeah and David, we need to find a name for this segment, man. We've right now we just call it the like song segment <laughs> that tells about my guests. But <laughs> we need a nice, short, concise name for this segment. I'll brainstorm as well. <laughs> yes, please. Anybody who's listening, just text me, shoot me a message. What do you think this segment should be called? But okay, like as always, I ask the guests to come with five songs yep. that I think describe who they are as a person. I like to leave it up to interpretation. I don't say anything more, anything less. Right. And so Kevin has his list. Can we get I song do. number one, please? So, <laughs> song number one on this list is Do What I Want by Lil Uzi. Great song. Any Like, anyone who knows me knows. I, I just have, like, an irrational love for Lil Uzi. Love that. Um, <laughs> I, like, he, he's, like, bar none, like, my favorite artist. Um, I, I mean, in terms of personality, I just, like, love his, like, eccentricity. Yeah. I think he's, like, like, so cool and, like, unashamed in who he is, and I, like, really admire that. Um, and I just love his music. I think it sounds great. Um, that is a, so, that is a great song. Great. Yeah. That is on my that is on my feel good playlist. And then also I have a specific playlist for like when I'm done with the school year and it's like <laughs> break time and do what I want is like the go to because literally oh, I'm that. done with classes, done with everything. Now I do what I want. Yeah, there's love definitely that. a mood for that. Yeah, and that that fits the bill. Do what love I want that. for sure. I love song it. number two. Cool. Song number two is Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. There's kind of a diversity of songs Which on here. Which I like. I appreciate that. Yeah. Again, I want to be put onto different songs. So that one, that one's kind of just to reflect. I don't know if that's like my favorite Rolling Stones song per se, but like I definitely have like a big rock and roll influence from my dad. Um, I've gone to a couple Rolling Stones concerts with him. So like I'm definitely a rock and roll fan. I, I like a lot of different genres of music. I'm not, I'm not very particular. Even Emma's kind of put me on to, to country. Shout out Emma. Shout out Emma's Emma. the homie. Emma Davis, you're the best. We hope, <laughs> you we are, hope you're listening. You she are the be best. Listening. She will definitely listen to this. Um, but yeah, so I mean, she's even put me on to country music, music, which like I was like super against. Um, 
They're, but like I actually, I actually do like it. I agree. I just had to keep an open mind. I think the 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 I don't like country music, and that there's no good country music. That is like a very like childish take that it I is. used it's to hold facade. as well. Exactly. And then we went to Nashville for fall break, and when I tell you, all <laughs> we did was bump country music yeah. for a whole week. And there are some great country music songs. Hundred percent. It's a vibe at the right time. Exactly. I like it. Exactly. I like it. Song number three. Number three is Better Together, Jack Johnson. Um, so I like this, what I don't know him because it puts me on a stuff. Yeah, so this one is is kind of just a throwback to like, like nostalgia being in like my mom's Toyota Sequoia. We always had the Jack Johnson CD playing, and this was the first song that always came on, um, and it just like reminds me of childhood. Um, so that's why it's on there. Nice, nice song number four. This one's super corny, but it's Draft Day by Drake. Um, Not also a fire song (laughs) and it's like i don't know draft day is like a day i always remember and like hopefully it'll change my life because you know i hope to sign with the first team pretty soon but yeah that's it's on there for that i think it's pretty cool i definitely i definitely bumped it a couple times on the day as as you as you should (laughs) (laughs) and song number five yeah the last one is uh la bicicleta by carlos vivas and shakira i feel like i I feel like i have that song yeah that one um just kind of there to like uh, I I have um, some Spanish uh, heritage. My grandmother's from Venezuela. Um, speaks Spanish. My mom speaks Spanish. Um, I had uh, it's kind of like a nanny growing up who was from Venezuela. She only spoke in Spanish, um, so she kind of t- you know taught me the language as well because um, that's how we communicate. But um, I, I've definitely connected with my Spanish side. O'Toole is Irish, my last name, um, which comes from my my dad's dad. Um, which unfortunately he passed when I was pretty young, so I didn't, you know, connect as closely with the the Irish side of my family. Although, um, you know, my my dad has kept that alive as well. But um, I definitely connect very strongly to to my Spanish roots, um, and so yeah, that's why that's on there too. And other than the fact that I get to be put onto different songs from this segment, another reason that I really like it is based on the way people take the question, you get to learn so much about them. Which is why I remember the first goal that I did it with Aisha each one was like so meaningful to her and exactly yeah. like it was for you and i got to learn a little bit about you and so this segment is here to yeah, stay I we just need it. to find a name for it and it's then, a great segment i'm a huge fan it was, it was it was fun brainstorming the songs and like trying to connect them to like different parts of me because like if it was just five favorite songs like it'd be uzi, uzi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna lie but is he, um, is he the top artist in your spotify wrapped oh god yeah he was <laughs> I, i'm actually on apple music but like last year that I, is shameful. Is it, yeah, no, it's a bit <laughs> shameful. I feel like, yeah, like every, everyone's going towards Spotify, so I need to make the transition too. I'm just a little behind the curve. No, and honestly, this is a very good time to do it because I was team Apple Music and that was a hill I was willing to die on up until yeah. the start of last year. And it wasn't until January of 2021 that I made the switch because I wanted an accurate Spotify rap. So okay, cool. now would be a good it time to do it. Time. So your Spotify yeah, yeah. rap to be pretty accurate because as someone who's done both, Spotify is way better. The, the metrics are better. The metrics are way better. You want to be mm. put onto different music, new yeah. music. You'll find a lot of things. The way you can you can like enhance a playlist. So if you have a playlist, you can hit the button enhance. It'll double the size of no the playlist way. with similar songs. Mind crazy. blown, insane. I didn't Each know these song, features existed. There's so much on there. I won't even spoil them for you. I'll let you <laughs> get it, and just so you can just uh, look around in the app and really yeah. figure out what it is that you want to, why you want to switch. Yeah. Yes, highly recommend switching. Um, and now for the very last segment, yeah. we have the Tiger Confession segment. So I go on Tiger Confessions, um, find questions, comments, statements, just read them out, and me and my guests react to them. Always guess first. <laughs> and honestly, this one is very, very on topic with the with the topic of this episode. 
And it says, how the F do people even find time to write their senior theses? <laughs> we, we've discussed this one at length already, haven't we? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a question of the century question, of the question of the day, especially I had, like I had, um, my, my seminar today is with happens to be with my thesis advisor and, you know, I, as I, as I divulged already on, on the show, I have written zero pages. Um, and so I, I, I walked into my seminar today, just like expecting the question from my professor, like, oh, how's the progress on the thesis? And so I'm just like kind of ducking my way into class. I like sit down at my desk. I'm like, try not to make eye contact with him and like just bolt out of class. <laughs> so I don't have to like, I don't have to be asked the question. How, how's the thesis coming? Yeah. So yeah, that, that one resonates with me pretty deeply. I don't know how you get started. And honestly, same here where if anyone has suggestions, please shoot them my way, but also very similar story. So I'm a neuro major for neuro. You get assigned to a lab, you get assigned to a thesis advisor. So been assigned to mine and the lab meets once every week. And so I met with him. I came in. I was like, I'm going to be so on top of my thesis. I'm going to have it all done. Because another thing for Neuro is you do your JP with the same advisor, and you're allowed to just branch out on it for mm-hmm. your senior thesis. So I actually had a great foundation laid uh, junior Helpful. spring. I came in, and I was like, okay, senior, I'm going to knock this out so soon. I am set up an, uh, an, uh, an appointment with him, like week one. Meet with him. He gives me some stuff to do for the thesis. Don't do it till like week nope. six. <laughs> and week six comes around, still really haven't done much. Uh, we meet again. I'm like, oh my bad. Like I've been so busy. Blah 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 blah. Another two months goes, and this takes us to like a week and a half ago. <laughs> we meet for the third time, and then we finally make some solid progress. But it took me a whole semester to even do the few things oh, that you yeah. wanted me to do. And so every time I would show up to lab, I would be always so nervous, like. Oh, is he about to ask me about my progress? (laughs) Um, And thankfully, shout out to Jesse. Jesse's the best. He is never, like, mad at me about how little I've done because, again, senior spring, I have whatever, whatever. But he's always nice about it, so helpful. So shout out Jesse. Shout out the Brain Development Lab. Love them all. (laughs) But I'm sorry I have not been a great great student (laughs) this semester. I second that. I apologize (laughs) to my thesis advisor as well. Um, And second one, which is very on topic with Bicker going on, um, which, again, I... This has been a very enjoyable conversation. I had nine bicker conversations yesterday, and I've had five today, or five at lunch today. Let's just say they weren't all as enjoyable as this conversation we're having <laughs> right now. Very yeah. talked out. So, this yeah. Is, yeah, this is a, a pleasant one. Um, but it says, I'm a soft and haven't really made any good friends here, mostly due to COVID. I'm planning on bickering, but I've only heard negative things about joining a club without any close friends. Mm. Does anyone have a good experience of joining a club without friends? Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just a tough situation with COVID. Like, there's so many people who are here who haven't experienced clubs, like, fully. Um, just because we've had so many semesters off campus, so many Zoom semesters, yada, yada. Um, advice, joining a club with no friends. I mean, keeping an open mind, I think, is always is always a, a good suggestion here. I think, like, I maybe limited myself a little bit too much in terms of my friend group. It, like, definitely revolved around the soccer team and maybe the athletic community a little bit too much. Um, and so, like... For that reason, maybe I haven't met as many people outside outside my circle, but I think um, I, I think it's good to meet to meet new people early early on and and you know take a leap of faith and join a club that maybe you don't know people in because you, you never know who you might find in there. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more. I 
joined a club with some of my close friends, but I one reason that I joined the club I did as opposed to another one was that I knew a lot of faces in the other one, and I was like, this is a place where I will get to meet a lot of people, both the upperclassmen and people in my year, and couldn't have loved my decision anymore. I'll, like I said, had some good friends, but have made some other really close friends that I would not have met if I didn't join the club. Yeah. So just shoot your shot, give it a chance. I wouldn't be worried about meeting new people because when you join these clubs, there's so many different events to get the whole membership yeah. to be just one big happy family. <laughs> um, and so people think about these things ahead of time and they're, they're aware, especially with this current sophomore class who are the ones who started due to COVID, who started, uh, they started uh, Princeton virtually. Shout out to you, David, also. <laughs> um, they're aware that it has been a little bit of a tougher transition. And so, yeah, I would just say shoot your shot. Um, you're going to meet great people, and you never know where it'll be. It'll probably be in the eating club, might be in some other different activity. Um, and you'll never know, and you'll never meet these people if you don't put yourself out there. Absolutely. Um, and with that, we've done 56 minutes. It has been another, another great episode. And I would just like to say, I've owned, this is the third episode that I've recorded mm -hmm. later in the day. And I'm always worried that like I wouldn't have the energy, but then I just get in here and it just the yeah, podcast like it, it just all gets. I me love going. it. This is this is my first time like speaking into a microphone with someone for an extended period of time. So I <laughs> I, I loved it. It was, it was awesome. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. Thank you for coming on. Do you have any final words for the people? Uh, don't get the senior year and do a thesis. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. And we will start this petition to make senior thesis optional for real. Which I think is how, what Brown has. Shout out Brown University. And Brown, Brown, everything's optional. Brown yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this has been another episode of Go With The Flow. Thank you for listening.